you can only be effectively wild if you're effective. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's good. That's that's profound, right? Profound. Put it on a t-shirt. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, a man who counts the title Honorary Juggalo as the finest of his very limited honors, my brother Mike. (laughs) And then for those of you that don't know what a juggalo is, get out and see the world, people. All right. Or go to Florida. There's plenty of them there. Um, (laughs) I I have actually Uh, never heard an insane clown posse song that I know of. So maybe I am a juggalo. Maybe. Sure. Yeah. Maybe. Wink. You know, maybe. I would listen to one and just never listen to another group ever again. I feel like that's the vibes of these shows, of the, the stuff I've seen about the Juggalos. They're pretty intense. They are an intense mm-hmm. group. And so uh, it's, a whole, it's a whole lifestyle <laughs> yeah. that we have. If you go out to an Insane Clown Posse show and you're looking for my one, he'll be there. He will be there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, be careful. Just be careful out there. Keep your head on a swivel. Um, on this week's episode, we'll discuss a downer of a week for the Kansas City Royals, check in on how the 2023 draft class is looking in their pro debuts, and preview this week's games. But first, Mike, I want to let you know, it. I just told you this right before we started, this is our 99th episode, everyone. This is the 99th episode of Royals Weekly. Next week will be our 100th episode. Yay! Uh-oh. I feel like we should do a celebratory moment of some sort. I told Mike we should do like a, a tailgate out of a game or something. But the weird thing is I am leaving for Spain. Like the moment after we record our 100th episode. So, you know, we might have to wait for the celebration for some other time. But we will at the very least give ourselves a round of applause as we are used to doing. Um, anyway. Uh, I do also want to let you know to fo- or remind you to follow us on all the social medias. Mike's just threads and up a storm over there on threads. <laughs> it is a, a tornado of, of, of bad takes and fact errors and, and jokes about penises. It's that's basically his <laughs> wheelhouse right there. And so that's all follow him on threads. Leave us a review on Apple podcasts. We'll read it right here on the show. You know, uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those. It's a wonderful time uh, to, to be uh, conversating about the Royals because why the hell not? You know, uh, also, I want to remind you that Royals Weekly is brought to you by Nap Family Wealth. Mike, can you think of anything more important than securing your financial future? I like a nice glass of wine in the evening. Oh, yeah. What's your favorite type of wine? Whiskey. <laughs> Evan Williams, if, if well, I yeah, yeah, if we're being specific, Evan Williams, uh, yeah, that makes more sense. Uh, securing your financial future is one of the most important steps someone could take, Mike, for themselves and their family. And Nat Family Wealth is ready to help you pursue it. This isn't some big faceless corporation we're talking about here. Nat Family Wealth is run by JC Knapp. He's a huge baseball fan, and he's been helping people plan for their financial futures for 20 years. He can help you with retirement planning, so you don't have to work until you're dead. Education, education planning so your kids learn to read good. That's important. Investment management so you can get all that money from out of your mattress and get it working for you. Don't spend another day thinking you've got it all figured out because trust me, you don't. Check out Nap Family Wealth at napfamilywealth.com. That's K-N-A-P-P familywealth.com. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member F-I-N-R-A slash S-I-P-C. As always, we'll start the review of last week with roster news. And once again, just very little going on on the roster front. This, this, ever since they cut that 40 man roster down to like 28, it's like the August, September period. There's nothing going on there. And so it's probably going to be very little roster news from now to the end of the season. That said, they did have one fairly significant return from the IL, and that's Zach Granke. He came back from the 15 day IL. I think he's made one start and it was kind of, no, it was a bulk. It was a bulk relief role. They had somebody open for him and then oh, yeah, he was, jumped in. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts on getting Granky back into the rotation and what do you think of uh, seeing him? So well, it's far? good to see for two separate reasons that are very, very different from each other. He provides still a competent, even if unremarkable start for a team. Usually you feel like you're at least going to have a chance to be in a ball game, when Zach Greinke goes out there and pitches, it's not like the doom and gloom that you think of when you think of a Jordan Lyles start, but it's also probably not the hope and aspiration that you have during a Cole Reagan start. But, you know, a competent start is something the Royals desperately need on any occasion they can get it. So I will take that. And then the other one is, 
I, I didn't want Zach to end on the IL. I didn't, I don't, I want him to end his career because I think this is likely his last season. I think I want him to end it on his own terms. I want him to end it competing, which is what Zach Greinke has done so well for so long now. It's good to see him back in there getting that opportunity. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, spinning gems or not, I want to see him out there doing the fun, crafty Zach Greinke stuff. That's what, that's the lasting impression he needs to leave with people is that he's going to be out there competing. He's going to be out there doing some, at the very least, fun and entertaining stuff on the mound. I don't know that there's been a more entertaining starting pitcher in in baseball over the last couple of decades than Zach Greinke. And so, yeah, great to see him back there. And you're right. This team is desperate for any sort of competent pitching, right? Yeah, they're even more desperate for it out of the bullpen, but the starting rotation, they could use some help there too. And so, yeah, to to get anybody who can get someone out who's not going to walk six guys or give up 10 home runs a game or something like that. Uh, Yeah, it's great to have uh, Greinke back in there, you know. Even if he, this is his last ride, let's let's go down guns a blazing. You know what I'm saying? The Royals also optioned Dylan Coleman down to AAA. We can talk about this a little bit. It's not a huge deal, but Mike, what were your thoughts on sending uh, Dylan Coleman back down? Uh, you know, like you said, it's not a huge deal. He, there's going to be continuously guys up and down in the relief role, so it wouldn't surprise me if he comes back up at some point again this year. He needs there's stuff that he needs to work on, and I was thinking about it today as I watched John McMillan pitch and look very good today. I was thinking, boy, Coleman's in a real tough situation right now because if the velocity doesn't come back, he's a pitcher who struggles to throw strikes with a mediocre fastball and a plus slider, and that's it. That's not going to get you anything in this league. You know, you can only be effectively wild if you're effective. <laughs> um, that's good. That's, that's profound, good. right? Profound. Right. Put it on uh, a t-shirt, huh? He's, that's right. You can only be effectively wild if you're effective and he can't be effective without a fastball. That's better than the one he's currently showing. So I hope, and, but here's the thing. The weird thing is I thought about it. I'm going, they sent him down and he'll have this off season. I'm more confident now than I would have been a year ago that this pitching staff can do something to either get that velocity back or improve his command. One or the other, improve him as a pitcher. Let me just put it that way. Overall, I'm more confident in this staff than I was ever before because we've seen some tangible things to hold on to. We've seen the improvements that Bubich made before he went down, the improvements that Marsh has made to at least be somebody who you're thinking about a possible rotation spot long term. Reagan's is better, you know, that the whole thing with his cutter versus his slider and and what they did with that. And so I'm I'm more optimistic about Dylan Coleman than I would have been 2 years ago if that had happened to him then. Yeah, and so am I. And that makes perfect sense. And you get the sense that what they're going to do for him this offseason that he wouldn't have gotten previously, he's going to get a really individualized plan that says, hey, we're going to have a plan to either get your velocity back or improve your command or both. Like we're going to have a real individualized plan for you, Dylan Coleman, because we think you have the capacity to help us in the major league bullpen. It did start to look like his velo had ticked up just a little bit back to, you know, occasionally 95, 96, 97, uh, there for a bit while he was in the major leagues, he's gone back down now, still having trouble with walks. You know, the slider is still an insanely good pitch. It's just, you know, you can't be a one pitch reliever and then hope you're going to be okay. Scott Barlow, even when he was at his best may, or when, when, when he was not at his best, had at least the curveball and the slider. And so, you know, you really can't just go out there and expect to, uh, throw sliders that you can't throw for strikes and be okay. That's not going to work. But hopefully he's working on stuff down in AAA. I, I agree with you. I think we'll see him again at some point just because reliever rotation is going to be very high to finish out the year. A couple other tidbits on the roster front. The Royals traded Brewer Hickelin, a minor league outfielder who has had a very little major league time. Uh, if you don't know Hickelin's story, he's got an interesting story. He played football at, um, what was that school down south? UAB. I mean, UAB, that's right. University of Alabama, Birmingham. They cut the the football program at UAB, uh, and so he, he was playing baseball. It's back there too, now, I though. Yes, it's back now. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, but he ends up getting drafted. He's an older prospect, probably in his, he's in his late twenties, I think. Uh, a guy who they was traded to Philadelphia for cash, by the way. Uh, a guy who they might use as maybe an occasional fourth outfielder, outfield depth for them. A guy who could help them defensively because their outfield defense is horrible, um, and also on the base paths. I mean, they might be thinking of him as like a base path pinch runner uh, in. Uh, the playoffs type situation uh, going on there. So we'll see. Uh, the Royals also recalled Colin Snyder, 
to Major League Baseball for yet another shot at, at the majors for Colin Snyder. He pitched today. I don't really remember. I don't think he gave up any runs today. He didn't, he didn't because they threw a guy out at home. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I forgot about that. He did give up a hit that maybe should have scored a run because he only came in to face one batter. Uh, yeah. And uh, he ended up giving up a hit on that one batter. But guy got thrown out at home. Maybe. It was a close call. They got reviewed and not enough evidence. We'll just say that. Um, on the field, it was not a great week last week for the Royals. Uh, actually, it was a bad week. We could just call it that. They went one and five, which brings their overall record to 41 and 91. Uh, rough week. They started off by dropping two of three to the lowly Oakland A's. You hate to lose a series to the only team that has a worse record than you in baseball, right? That's And they beat us in a series earlier this year, too. Remember? Because I was always questioning the A's. Hey, the, the worst team in baseball has beat us. Are we the worst team in baseball? That's what I was asking yeah, at the time. Yeah. And now they've beat us again, damn it. Yes, they have now beaten us again. Uh, so, yeah, we lost drop two of three to the A's. We were competitive in those games. But, yeah, you hate to lose to a team that sucks as bad as they do. Uh, that one hurt the most to me. Then they went to up to Seattle where they faced a very hot Mariners team and were subsequently swept in what I'm calling winless in Seattle. I also mm. workshopped sweepy in Seattle which is a play on that as well. But uh, I think I'm liking winless in Seattle. Mike, what are your thoughts on the, on the week? What was in Royals baseball? First off, I didn't know you were doing either one of those and brava. They're pretty good. Both. I know. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm a big Nora Efron fan. Aren't we all Uh, rough week? The pitching was not good starting or bullpen and the offense cooled down a little bit, which meant that the, like the last time we played Seattle when we were crazy competitive because Late in the game, our offense always scored runs to get us back into it. That wasn't happening. And so, yeah, it was rough. It was a rough week to see us lose a series to the Oakland A's. Um, no, no great things out of this week for for the Royals, except for Cole Reagans, of course. <laughs> yeah, he's always he's always a positive. Uh, but yeah, like we faced Seattle at home like, what, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. I think. And so we were super competitive in that series. We probably lo- we lost that series, too. But we weren't swept and we were we were competitive and all the games were close, you know, like uh, the middle game, at least, was not close in this Mariner series. I think they won 15 to two. It was one of those. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. No, I thought it was two. Anyway, don't, uh, don't think whatever it was, whatever it was, a position player finished pitching that game and he has a lower <laughs> ERA than anybody else who pitched in that game. Right. That's a weird stat from that game. I noticed like Matt Duffy finished the game pitching. His ERA is in the fours. Lyles, Kowar, all these other guys, ER is way over his, right? Uh, yeah, they gave up seven home runs in that game. Royals record. Nice Good job. God. Uh, and so, yeah, it was a rough series against the Mariners. Uh, we did have some strong performers this week. Like, who is uh, your strong performer? We didn't have a ton. I, I, it was real hunt and peck for a strong performer this week. Yeah, especially like last week, you come in, it was like, you can pick anybody on the offense and, and put them in there. Uh, I looked this time, there was maybe one or two on the offense, but I had to highlight our boy Cole Reagans for having just a friggin' gem of a game this week. The only one, I think that the, the only one, the Royals won, it was, it was beautiful. Uh, six inning pitch, two hits, 11 K's and zero walks. And he's humming it up there at 99 in the last inning he pitched in the sixth. And it was beautiful to watch. The combination of that changeup with that fastball up is just so devastating. And and there were times that he couldn't, he it didn't even get to the top third of the zone. It's just blowing by guys, though. Guys just can't touch ninety nine from the left side in the middle of the plate sometimes. And so it was so good to see another fantastic start from him. Uh, he's looking like a dude, a real deal ace kind of guy right now. And it's just so fun to see because I don't ever, when he goes out there, I never think, well, I hope he doesn't have one of those innings where he gives up six in an inning, a la Brady Singer or Jordan Lyles, or, you know, we used to see it happen all the time to Bubich and things like that. I, I never worry about that with him. Yeah. He's, he's interesting because it looks like he's evolved to the point where he trusts his stuff so much. He doesn't worry if he misses in the middle every now and again. Like you mentioned, that fastball missed in the mid, right in the middle a few times against Oakland. They just still couldn't touch it. It was 99. That, I mean, he was throwing so hard in that Oakland game. And then he touched 100 a few times. Like, And then, you know, slider was sharp. The changeup was sharp. When his whole arsenal's going, nobody can touch him. Nobody can touch him. When only a couple of his pitches are going, he's real tough to hit. You know, if he's only got one pitch, they got a chance maybe. 
<laughs> but you know, he's that type of guy right now because you know, the arsenal is so sharp and so deep now that it's four pitches. He's really got some actually five. Is it four or five? It's Fastball, five really change. Cause he curve, does have a curveball too. Yeah. Slider cutter. Yeah. He's got five pitches and on any given day, if three of them are working, everybody's in trouble. Right. And so, you know, love to see what he's coming out with. I'm talking about another pitcher who I was very excited to see this week pitched really, really well. And that's, he's a reliever. So he only pitched two innings, but boy, do they desperately need any competent reliever they can find. This is John McMillan, who they just brought up uh, last week or the week before that. He went two innings pitched, zero runs, zero hits, zero walks, and four strikeouts. He looks, today with the big matchup everybody was excited about, McMillan against uh, Julio Rodriguez. He comes in, faces Rodriguez. Struck him out with a beautiful slider disgusting slider he didn't even swing at it which which probably smart by rodriguez because i don't think he would have touched it and even if he did it was right on the corner i mean like right on the corner it ended up being a called third strike mcmillan dominated today he's just looked he looks as dominant as he is uh right now so i'm really excited yeah he's just one guy and one guy does not a bullpen make but he's a guy to build around in that bullpen Right. We saw we thought Dylan Coleman might be the guy to build around. He's fallen apart this year. McMillan looks like the real deal. They can start building around him and say, we've got McMillan. We've maybe got Austin Cox. We'll, we'll see about Cox. We'll see about Hernandez. We'll see about some other guys. But for at the very least, we have a guy who gives us some hope in, in John McMillan. And here's the thing. So far, McMillan has done a better job throwing strikes than Dylan Coleman ever. Oh, did. yeah. Like, I mean. You know, you, you love Dylan Coleman's first year. Like, he looked very promising, but the, the walks were still a huge issue then. McMillan looks like he's already a step ahead of where Coleman was at his best. And the thing you got to think about with McMillan is he came up, and in his first inning, he gave up a home run to Cal Raleigh, right, in that last Seattle series. You could imagine a guy doing that and then getting really shy about throwing the ball in the strike zone. That's not what he did. He was like, I don't care. I'm still going to just throw strikes because I have good enough stuff to do it. And that's the mindset he has to have because, you know, is he always going to be like a lockdown with the walks? No, he's still going to walk a few guys here and there and probably more than you would want necessarily from a reliever, but he's got the strikeout stuff. He's got this amazing stuff. And so if he can strike out 11 guys per nine and maybe walk four guys per nine, that's plenty good enough. He'll be fine in major league baseball. A guy who is not fine in major league baseball. right now. <laughs> he is not fine. <laughs> he should not be in major league baseball right now. Mike, tell us who's your week performer for this week. I took the two easy ones. They got Cole Reagans for the first one, and I'm taking Jordan Lyles for the week performer of the week. Yikes. What are we going to do with him? Lord. Now, here's the thing. The Royals starting pitching competition going into next year is not, at this point anyway, not all that great. And so he's, at this point, if you said, give me a projected rotation for next year, I'd have to put Jordan Lyles in it because of the money that he's making, because I don't think he has a whole lot of value in a bullpen. So what do you do with them? You cut them and just eat the money. Good organization probably would. We're not deep enough in the starting rotation to just give away guys. We paid that much money. And so I really don't know, but he went three innings pitch, seven turn runs, three walks and four K's. And, and I, you do feel bad for the guy and the comments that he made after the game, he understands what's going on guys. He knows he's not good enough right now. And, but just knowing it isn't enough. You've got to be able to fix it. And woof. It's not good. Uh, I hope, but I hope they follow our plan, go out and get some help in free agency. And then maybe Lyles just becomes a real set role of, of your freaking long guy, mm -hmm. you know, the old school long guy who only went in when you had a disaster happen. And that's the only time he goes in. Yeah. I actually like that as a potential role for him is get, you know, some of our young guys give them a chance. Maybe the maybe the rotation looks like Reagan's singer, two free agents, and Veneziano or Marsh or you know someone Lynch, Lynch too. Or, if Lynch takes a know, step forward, Bubich won't be ready or anything like that. Maybe but, it's Marsh. You know, yeah. Give you know even if that's the case, I'll take it. You know, and then let's get uh, Lyles into the bullpen as a swing man, mop up, lowest leverage you could possibly think of because you need him to throw some innings, I guess. But you know, you're right. It's it's not good enough right now and there really isn't a future where you can imagine it ever being good enough for the starting rotation because Lyles is not young. You know, he's had a, I mean, for Lyles, you would say, you'd have to say, clap your hands because the man has, has made a six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 year career in major league baseball 
you know, and that's good. That's better than 99.9999% of the world could ever do. And so like, congratulations, you would have to call his career a good career, but it's not there anymore. And I don't know a lot of 33, 34 year olds who learn to throw harder, which is one of the things he could maybe do to get better. Right. Like, but I just don't see it for him. I don't see a future. He's not even, he, he's walking guys too. I know. That's, That's the, the other thing. thing. He's walking before guys. this season. He, they were like, at least he's not going to give guys free bases. He is he now. Is. He's walking he's guys that now and too. giving up home runs at a prodigious <laughs> rate. And so there's just yeah. nothing to be done there really. You know, uh, let him come in and throw those, those innings. You know, he could throw 110 innings as a mop up long relief guy, spot starter guy. That's fine. But uh, I just, it, it's not there right now. And I don't see a future where it ever will be. My week performer this week is a guy who I think has a much brighter future. And that's Freddie Fermin. Uh, it was bound to happen. He was going to have a down week eventually. And last week was it. He went zero for 13, zero walks and seven strikeouts. So yeah, it's not, you know, he's looks. it's starting to look like he's getting a little over anxious at the plate. He's swinging too much. He wants to get more hits and more hits and more hits. And he's as a result, not taking as many pitches as he should. He's chasing too much and he's not swinging at premium pitches. Uh, he needs to get a little bit more disciplined at the plate, but you know, he's always got that defensive value to fall back on. He does make pretty good contact pretty frequently. And so he's, he's going to have a floor as a hitter, but he's just bound to have some bad weeks like this. I'm hoping he's, you know, recoups and learns from this and starts saying like, man, I really should get a little more patient at the plate because I actually think that could take his offensive game to even the next level, but we'll see uh, on that. He needs to be walking more than zero times in a week, obviously. Yeah. And they went after him a little bit in that game. Oh gosh. What was it? Is that the game Friday night or was it? I can't remember. The Royals get two on. Bobby Witt Jr. comes up. First base yeah. is open. Mm-hmm. That was Friday. They intentionally walk Bobby Witt Jr. to get to Freddie Fermin, and he strikes out with the bases loaded. So uh, that that just a little bit a twist of the knife on a, on a tough week for Freddie Fermin. Well, and in that at bat, you saw the over aggressiveness in that at bat. He's swinging first pitch, swinging second pitch. I mean, he was just swinging out of his shoes all the time in that at bat. And it's like, hey, man relax. You're doing fine. Be patient, swing at your pitches and you'll be okay. Mike, in a week that was not great on the field, what was your theme for uh, the week that was? I took a, my theme from the title of a Dave Matthews band song. Cause I'm a basic suburban white guy. Um, it's where are we going? Where are we going? Okay. What's the direction of the team going to be? What and, and I almost made the comment today right before Julio Rodriguez hit the two-run home run against Marsh. I said, because Marsh looked really good. You know, you take out those home runs, and he dominated them. I mean, that lineup was just being bullied by Alec Marsh at times. But again, it was the walks and stuff. So it made me kind of think, is he a lock for a rotation spot next year? I think you probably throw him in the five spot and say, okay. We think you can, but then I saw, you know, and I was like, uh, I don't know. I'm back and forth on it every time. I'm like, yeah, I think he should at least get a shot at that. And then I start to think, well, you know, maybe not. Who knows? So where are we going? I want to know September's coming September. What are we seeing? What is the direction of this team? I'm very interested to see the month of September. You couldn't have chose a better okay. Dave Matthews Does, song to sort of to go with. It. I mean, maybe, but well, cause I'm thinking like, Okay, we've seen a little bit of improvement from Kyle Isbell offensively. Does does he does that carry all the way through September? We've seen a little bit better offensive performance from Drew Waters. Does that carry all the way through to September? Does Melendez improvement carry through? Because if they don't show that consistency, you have to start asking the questions of do they play a significant role in this lineup next year? Does Alec Marsh play a significant role in that rotation? Who who's going to be a significant role in the bullpen? Colin Snyder, you know, he's going to get a shot. He, you know, that's probably not much to count on, you know, who, who are you going to be able to count on? And so September is going to be huge for this team moving into next year. Yeah. My theme for this week is hold off on those 2024 pennant t-shirts because, uh, you know, <laughs> we were talking a big about the Royals as they were offense looked like it turned it around, got a couple good starts here and there. They were winning some games or at least being competitive in games there for a stretch. And then this week hit us in the face and it was like, Oh my God. Uh, rough. It's not looking uh, so, so sharp. Yeah, you know, I will say it is a lot, a lot of it's bullpen related. You know, they lost some of these games because their bullpen well, couldn't, couldn't hang. I mean, uh, I think, 
Consistency, though, comes from your starting rotation. It does. And a lot of it is their starting rotation. It, it, will it not, is. It, I mean, it's very hard to be consistent when you have a Brady Singer and a Jordan Lyles, and and then your other spots are a guy you're hoping proves himself in Marsh or Zerpa. You know, that, that screams, we're not going to be consistent. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And And while that's true, it's also the case that if you look at that, you can hope a little bit for the future on guys like Marsh and even Brady Singer and stuff like that. Hope You can hope for a little more consistency there. You can't hope for more consistency from this bullpen. It's garbage. Most of these guys won't be pitching in Major League Baseball much longer. Like They're, they're that bad. And so, you know, I think we need to sort of, I think this week gave us a little bit of a check, like a check your your hope at the door a little bit, like just, just maybe pull back the throttle just a little bit. Uh, I'm hoping for big changes, especially in the bullpen this off season. I'm trying to put together a video before I leave for Spain that I'll put on our YouTube channel about ways in which they can revise the the bullpen. But uh, you know, it's just gotta be a little pull back the optimism, just a touch on next season. I think Royals weekly is brought to you by all in physical therapy for one-on-one personalized physical therapy. We choose all in physical therapy. They took excellent care of our mother after surgery left her with pain and limited mobility in her arm. She loves to work out, be active. Dana White actually wanted her for UFC until she choked him out for being the world-class pile that he is. Yeah. The excellent specialized care she got at All in Physical Therapy had her back to being active in no time. Our mother invented the rear naked chokehold. 1964, look it up. Yeah, look it up. Just choking out hippies. (laughs) Uh, That's her thing. Uh, All in Physical Therapy knows how to help athletes recover. It's owned and operated by Lee Summit's own Tommy Freevert, a former Arena League football player, Northwest Missouri State Bearcat, and a hell of a guy. They have offices in both Blue Springs and Lee Summit, so get over there to work with Tommy. Tell your doctor you want to do your physical therapy with the best of the best at All in Physical Therapy. To learn more, give them a call at 816-427-5300. That's 816-427-5300. Or visit their website at allin-pt.com. That's A-L-L-I-N-PT.com. It's been a month and a half since the 2023 MLB draft, and most of the Royals' significant draftees have made their debuts and are currently into their first professional seasons. It's still way too early to reach any sort of conclusions on the 2023 draft class. Those won't come for years, uh, but I think there's some initial observations to be made about this group of young players the Royals are hoping will bolster a fairly weak farm system. Mike, you're always saying the farm system isn't in great shape. What are your thoughts on how the 2023 class has performed so far? Well, I'm actually optimistic about how they've done, about the early kind of returns for this group. The the disappointing thing, I guess, is that several of the arms that they took were high school arms, and so they haven't really gotten started yet in their professional careers. So I want to see Walters, and I want to see Hero Wyatt. Uh, I want to see those guys pitching, but we haven't seen them yet. And so we're just kind of waiting. Even... Even uh, Picard, he's only thrown, I think, three innings. And so, you know, there's not a lot to do on the pitching side to look at on the pitching side right now. But from the college hitters, there's been a lot of uh, optimism, I think. Uh, I've really liked a lot of what those college hitters have done. Some of them already put up really big numbers in high A. And that's that's a significant thing. Um, Yeah, even high A. They got moved from complex to high A, a lot of them, which is. Yeah. Really? Which ones are doing well? In uh, I saw. Some, I know some are doing well in Colombia. Uh, Trevor, Trevor uh, Werner's the but, one I'm uh, thinking of specifically because I thought it was kind of weird that they sent him to high A. I think. Uh, or no, sorry, he's an A. He's an A ball. Okay, okay. Maybe it was okay. Rockefort. You don't know who you're thinking about. Well, that's my thing. Is my thing is like this for me. This is more as expected, right? If you're a college hitter, you should go to low A and dominate. And a lot of their college hitters are doing that. You know, Rockefort is doing well. A bunch of their college guys are hitting at the at the low A level. You're right. We haven't seen some of their college or their high school pitching, and that's you know a little disappointing just because I want to see them. But you know, you can't be taxing those high school arms that they've already played a high school season. And you don't want to be like, oh, you know, no kidding. Keep throwing. <laughs> like, and so we probably we probably won't see those guys. We won't see those guys until really uh, the start of the minor league season next year. But yeah, it, it's good. College guys are having success where they should. Now the big question comes: What do they look like when they okay, move so up? I was level? wrong. The guy it is low A uh, for all have, of the ones that are doing well. The one that's yeah. not doing well, and Dustin Dickerson, he's at high A. <laughs> so. Yeah. 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 That's what I thought actually. Uh, and so, but you're right. They are having success at the low A level, including from guys who like Trevor Warner was drafted, were drafted fairly uh, low. Mike, we've talked a little bit about 
the guy, the Royal, we have to talk a little bit about the guy, the Royals took eighth overall, Blake Mitchell. Uh, if you don't remember who the Royals took, uh, some of their draftees would be like Blake Mitchell, Blake Walters, Hero Wyatt, a uh, high school guy, Carson Rockaforth, Jared Dickey. Uh, who else is in there? Trevor Warner, Spencer Nivens, Jared Dickey. Some of the, those are some of the guys that they took. Spencer Nivens, yes. Um, but we need to talk about Blake Mitchell. He was their big money guy, eighth overall. So far, he's hitting 147 as a batting average, 423 as an on base, 599 as a slugging in the complex league. Mike, what are your thoughts on how Mitchell has done so far? Weirdly, I'm I'm actually okay with that. And I know a lot of you are going to hear that 147 batting average and go, what? Like, but the first thing I want to see from a kid that is that age is what is it going to look like as far as his walk numbers? Because that's going to give me a better indication of his approach at the plate. And so I want to see that he's seeing a lot of pitches, that he can take a walk when he needs to and he's not being overly aggressive. Now, would I rather he have big numbers hitting as well? Of course I would. Okay, especially when you look at some of the guys Mark's going to talk about here in a second. But I don't think it's a a time to panic. And I don't think you should look at that negatively for an 18 year old playing professional baseball for the first time, who at least has shown an ability to be a little bit more patient. Oh, he's 19, 19 year old. Sorry. Same thing. Playing professional baseball for the first time. Uh, he's able to take walks. That's going to show you that the patient approach is there. He just has to, you know, figure out a way to make contact with the ball and drive it a little bit more. See, the thing is 19 and 18 actually aren't the same thing when it comes to it. They aren't. And I, and I understand, I understand you don't want to be drafting the old high school prospect, the, the Bubba Starling effect. Right. If you well, it's will. not just that, but um, like, you know, at 19, he's a guy who you would kind of hope because of the way sort of aging and, and progression models work, he would go to the complex league and start hitting right away. He is not doing that. Okay. He is hitting 147 and that is bad. Now you're right. There is some optimism in there, right? 590 as a slugging when you're hitting 147, pretty crazy, right? Uh, but a dude who you really just want to say, you're got, uh, the thing that worries me about him is hit tool is such an important part of making it through. And at least from the numbers that are putting out, and I've only seen him like take a few at bats. Uh, 147 does not indicate that the kid has a super great hit tool that he's capable of. And the strikeout rate is really, really high for him. And so he's, he's swinging and missing a lot. And, you know, that was some of the concern with him coming out, you know, that he was going to have a lot of swing and miss in his game. And, you know, think about this next year when he starts his first full season, he'll be 20 or maybe not when it starts, but it will be his age 20 season. And he's, uh, you know, a 20 year old, probably at Columbia, and you got to say like, well, now he's got to hit in low A because the clock has already started moving on him. Like because he's such an old draftee and he was taken eighth overall, the expectation is that he needs to start moving through the system because they gave him a lot of money to start moving through the system. Now I'm talking about guys that he's going to be compared to. And Mike and I and, and, and Alex Duvall, who did a lot of our draft coverage with us, we talked a lot about a few guys, two in particular. Mike and I talked a lot about Matt Shaw. And Alex talked a lot about Kyle Teal. Matt Shaw, shortstop out of Maryland. Kyle Teal, catcher out of University of Virginia. How are they doing right now? Matt Shaw has a 1.082 OPS in high A right now. Yeah, he's, his OPS is over 1,000 in high A right now. Kyle Teal, his OPS also over 1,000 in high A right now. So they had some guys behind them who at least at the from the jump are showing a little bit more they should show more, to be fair. They should show more capability than than Blake Mitchell because they're two or three, they're three or four years older. They played college baseball. They did it at an elite level. They should be advanced. They should be killing high A, right? But well, high A is it's not a no joke. Well, but but the, it looks like both these guys are going to start in Double A next yeah, year. And, I mean, and, but, they're two they're two steps away from Major League Baseball. Yeah, the, the truth is, so everybody <laughs> says low A is basically the SEC. Okay, low A yeah. is the SEC. If you're a first round pick and everybody's talking about how great your ability to hit is, you probably should do well at A plus as well, right? You probably should be pretty good there too. And so Matt Shaw should be good. Kyle Teal should be good. It's not super surprising that they're doing well at advanced A, right? But you look at Blake Mitchell and it's not devastating that he's not hitting the ground, just completely taking off in the complex league. But it's, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, it could have been better. That could have been better. He could have really taken off there. Now you have to wonder, eh, we say these guys taking off. This guy's not. Oh, no. You know, we'll see. There's still a lot of we'll see left in there. 
So I know Mike is Mr. Optimistic. I'm a little bit like, okay, this is a data point that I'm not putting in the great draft pick column. Yeah, I'm putting it in the, oh no, this concerns <laughs> me column. Uh, Mike, has anyone else stood out to you from this 2023 class? Yeah, like we mentioned, several of those college hitters are really performing. And some of them I was a little questionable on. I, uh, I, I was excited about Carson Rockefort, but Spencer Nivens, I was like, I don't see what everybody else sees. Of course, both of them are, are doing really, really well. Uh, Jared Dickey is another guy who's doing really, really well. The guy I'm going to talk about is uh, Trevor Werner because I really didn't see him doing much. I thought, you know, I thought he was a really questionable athlete. Like he's not as athletic as I would want him to be. Plays third base. He's real tall, um, but he's got some power. He's definitely got some juice. He's got a 985 OPS plus and a 262 ISO in low A right now. 262 ISO. 985. That 985 is just his OPS. It's not his OPS plus. No, yeah, FYI. it's yeah, just as OPS, just on base plus slugging, but 262 ISO is fantastic with a 14% walk rate. Now his strikeout rate is like at 25%. So it's not crazy, crazy high, but it's something you would want to come down a little bit, but it doesn't even have to, if he can keep around a 14% walk rate. Um, I question, I do question his defensive ability a little bit, but if he's hitting like that, they're going to find a spot for him. And so that's the one I've been really kind of excited about, especially considering I didn't I didn't expect much from him coming out. I didn't think he was all that much of a prospect, um, but I really, really am uh, excited about all those guys. I mean, Carson Rockefort, there's a new highlight on Twitter of him almost every day. Um, he's either driving balls into the gap or making a crazy, insane uh, play in center field. And so it's really good to see some of those guys step in and show approach because a lot of them have really good walk numbers right now and show that there's at least an identity for hitters that are being drafted into a Royals organization. Yeah, I've been surprised by Jared Dickey. I wasn't super high on him as a draft pick, but he looks like he's hitting pretty well. I'm going to talk about Rockefort a little bit just because looking great on defense. And the question we asked when he got drafted was, will he stick in center? Kind of looks like he will. He has the athleticism too. It's looking very much like he'll stick in center field at this point. He's played really well out there in his pro debut. And then we also asked, is he going to get a little more loft on his swing? Because we noticed too many ground balls, you know, not really driving the ball in ways that it looks like he has the power to. He has made that adjustment, it looks like. It looks like his path, bat path is a little more geared towards lofting baseballs, and he has been doing it. You know, you mentioned just driving balls into the gap frequently, looking really good in, in Columbia. I don't know. The, the minor league season's almost over, so he's not going to get promoted uh, before you know, that, that happens, but should start the year next year in advance day, as should all of these hitters, because, you know, they really have the capacity to do it. And so cool to see. It's weird. If you get a chance, check out that Columbia team right now, because it is just stacked with dudes who can hit. They're winning games like 10 to nothing right now, because all of these guys can hit. Plus, uh, you know, they have a few other guys who had already sort of been there. And so, yeah, they're just scoring like crazy down in Columbia right now. Like, is there anyone else you think needs to show some market improvement from this group? Yeah, I mean, we we kind of talked about it. Uh, Duck, Dustin Dickerson, a shortstop out of Southern Miss, has struggled in high A, and it was his glove that got him to that that got them to put him in high A right away. And he's got a four eighty OPS right now. That's not very good. Uh, now his bat bip is pretty low. It's it's like two hundred roughly, and so. It's, you know, there seems like there's maybe some bad luck going on there, but his ISO is also extremely low. So the question for him will be always kind of a Nicky Lopez thing. Will he ever be able to hit the ball hard enough so that he's not just relying on launch angle to get him through everything? Can he really drive the ball enough to play in Major League Baseball? So hopefully the glove is there. It's solid. Hopefully uh, he can put a little bit more juice behind the bat uh, to uh, improve for next year. Which we've seen guys do. I mean, we've seen guys do in the Rose organization. Nick Lofton, for example, uh, he he kind of ticked it up a little bit with the the bulking up and stuff. So it can be done. Yeah, Dickerson is a senior sign out of uh, that 2023 draft class. So not a ton of expectation for him, which is why, in my mind, they moved him to tr- to high A. He's getting treated a little bit like Jimmy Govern was when Jimmy Govern came in. You remember they moved him directly to AAA for a few games because they just needed a guy at third base in AAA. And Jimmy Govern was like, they were like, all right, well, we're not too worried about your development. Go to AAA for a little bit. They're doing the same thing with Dustin Dickerson. I kind of liked him as a senior sign because I thought, well, maybe the bat would, would could produce something. We'll see if he ends up turning it around there. But uh, yeah, 
Dickerson is a guy who they're not going to be too worried about moving him anywhere throughout the organization uh, because they're like, hey, we, we're not too uh, worried about messing up your development. Uh, Mitchell is the guy that I'm pointing to as somebody who really needs to show market improvement. I, I haven't got a chance to watch him catch much, but I'm more interested in what's he going to do with the bat, right? Because you can't hit 147 no matter what level you're on. Uh, constantly. So what, what do the strikeout numbers look like? What does the swing and miss look like? Do they find a way to teach him how to have more plate coverage and stop swinging and missing so much? I'll be very interested in that. I'll also be very interested next year when we get a chance to see Hero Wyatt and Blake Walters and another guy who hasn't made his debut yet, Hunter Owen, who is a left-handed pitcher yeah, out of Vanderbilt. Excited for him. They, they, they're not having him come out because he's had some arm injury issues in the past. And I assume they're like, hey, we just don't want to chance it with him. He did pitch a full college season and into the playoffs and things like that. And so they're probably just going to say, Hey, we'll wait until the start of 2024 for you. Uh, but I'm interested to see all three of those guys uh, get started next year. The Royals are back at home this week as part of a nine game homestand. They'll get the pirates for in, in a three game set to start the week before an off day. And then another three gamer against the Boston Red Sox. Mike, tell us about the pirates, a team that has had, that had some smoke to start the season. Remember, remember way back in the day, way many months ago when people were like, are the pirates a real deal? Oh, yeah. And then they've kind of fallen off dramatically. They're now like 20 some game, almost 20 games under 500. Mike, tell us about the pirates uh, and what they bring to the table. Well, the pirates are 58 and 73 which is good enough for fourth in the National League Central. Uh, we're going to start that series with Zach Greinke versus Johan Oviedo, 25-year-old right-handed pitcher out of Cuba. He's got a 4.46 ERA, a 1.33 whip, so roughly major league average, I would say, in just about every way. Fastball at 96, a slider, a curveball, a sinker, and a changeup. Throws a pretty hard slider at 88 miles per hour. Has good extension on his pitches, um, but can be hit if uh, teams are you know, swinging at the right pitches. In the second game, it's Cole Reagan's day, baby. Yeah, yeah. Right? Really excited for Cole Reagan's day. We don't know who the Pirates are going to put up for that second game, um, but hopefully it's somebody who can not pitch very well. And then that third game, we don't have a probable starter for anybody because they're moving some guys around with Grinky coming back off of the injured list. I had heard something about how Singer's next start was going to be pushed back two days, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so we'll see where everybody tends to fall in that third game. We'll probably have a lot more clarity once we find out who's pitching that third game. So, yeah. And you know, it's the end of the year. Everybody's just sort of scrounging around looking for starting pitching. Somebody who can fill innings, especially this year with the injury rate being so high there, it's kind of a real mad dash or scramble to find guys to fill spots after um, the pirates come into town. It'll be the Red Sox coming in. Uh, they're 69 and 62. Nice. Fourth in the AL East. Uh <laughs> uh offensively real mature marcus real mature. <laughs> i'm not i am not, i am not uh offensively they're doing really well uh, they're led by guys like tristan cassis and rafael devers uh, both guys having good offensive seasons they're sixth in runs scored as a team or at least they were when i looked it up earlier today and ninth in weighted runs created plus as a team so offensively they're doing fine it's really the pitching that is struggling to some degree uh, we saw guys like Cutter Crawford and J James Paxton when we went to Fenway a couple weeks ago. Uh, Paxton, I think, pitched pretty well against us. Crawford did not. Uh, but overall, their starters are 21st in ERA, and their relievers are 16th in the league. And so you can see where the issue is with the Red Sox. They have plenty of uh, run scoring ability, not so much run prevention ability. We'll end this week's episode like we end every episode with our Just A Bit Outside segment, where we talk about something that's interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Mike, your life, you're back in school full-time now. You're teaching. You're doing education stuff. What's going on in your life this last week? Uh, well, a lot of different things are going on in my life this last week, but uh, I read a story today that, and I just had to like come on here and talk about something that maybe not everybody sees on a regular basis, but as a teacher, I do, and maybe we're not connecting the dots here, but the idea is that the teens are not okay. Everybody, uh, you and I went out to a football game on Friday night. Uh, we did not get, have to interact with many of the crowd because we were on the field, but, um, you may have noticed while we were there at this high school football game, the high school has to hire a private security firm to come in and run security for their football games. Now this team is very, very good. And there, there are a lot of people at their games and things like that, but I promise you that is not why. It is because right now teenagers in this country are in a bad place, people. They're not in a good place. And if you're the parent of a teen, I hope you're listening to this. 
I teach at a middle school. Um, and it's not, well, I'll get to that in a second. I teach at a middle school. These are the resources that we need for, for our, our population of kids. We have guidance counselors, but we also have to have a school psychologist and a school therapist and a behavior support specialist. We have to hire an outside firm to help with mental health um, counseling. Okay. That can do more intensive therapy sessions. And we hire an outside for, firm for conflict mediation between teens. Okay. That's a lot of resources to help uh, teenagers and it's still not enough. And the reason I bring this up is because a 16 year old kid lost his life at a high school football game in Choctaw, Oklahoma on Friday because somebody came in with a gun and shot him and four other people were injured in that as well. And we, I can't say that I know the answer. Okay. But I know this, I know we gave, you know, about 15 years ago, social media came match matured into what it is or started to mature into what it has become and smartphones became readily available. And we slapped those things in the hands of teenagers. And that was not a good thing. We don't, cause we don't understand how it affects them. We don't know. We still don't know. Okay. And you know, on top of that, the pandemic happened and now we get this situation where kids are away from each other and then you bring them back together and they aren't equipped to be around each other. Um, I mean, you see it everywhere, right there. You go, go to a movie theater. Okay. Go to a movie theater and on the door, the last movie theater I went to on the door, there's a policy about teenagers being there unaccompanied by parents go to worlds of fun. They had to get a policy this summer because a gigantic brawl broke out at worlds of fun, a bunch of, a bunch of teenagers. Okay. They're not okay, guys. You need to check in on your teenager. You need to check in on all their friends as well. They, we've got to figure out, out a way to make this better or we're going to see more kids at football games losing their lives, at school losing their lives, taking their own lives, all of that sort of stuff. We've got to do better as a country for those kids because that situation is like that. And I didn't even mention, oh, by the way, for a lot of them, it's easier to get access to a gun than it is to get access to support for their mental health. And so it's not a good situation. We need to figure it out. Absolutely. And I love that you mentioned that, yes, it is much easier for them to get access to a gun than someone who can help them. And so think about what the consequence of that will obviously be, right? And so, and I'm not just talking about going to shoot someone else. Think about how much easier it is to take one's own life when it's easier to get access to a gun than somebody to talk to. Okay. Thank you so much. I'm glad you mentioned that. It's hugely important. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm bringing about another important issue uh, here. It's not as much of a, a heavy one and probably not as much as a pressing one because, you know, what could be more pressing than what Mike brought up? But it is pressing in, to some degree in my mind. And that is uh, an article I came across the other day, and I can't remember the name of it now and I couldn't find it. But I remember the stat that it mentioned. It was an article about uh, the state of New York, which is trying to help people uh, recover uh, wages that they lost due to wage theft. And the article essentially just said that like they weren't going to be able to recover something like $40 million in wage theft for these people. And it made me start thinking about like, do people know what how huge of an issue wage theft is in America? We talk a lot about like if, if you work a job like retail or something like that, they constantly talk about like what they call shrinkage, which is just employees stealing from, from the company, right? Like, and so they constantly talk about that and they're constant service systems of surveillance to monitor people so they don't steal from their own company. But nobody ever thinks about it the other way around. That company is also probably stealing from you. Maybe not probably, but might be stealing from you too. Here's a statistic from the Economic Policy Institute. They estimate that U.S. workers have about $50 billion stolen from them every year in wage theft. $50 billion. That's every year in wage theft here in the United States. And that's from just companies deciding not to pay workers. That's like clerical errors. That's like a whole bunch of other stuff. Like people quit and they don't get their last paycheck ever sent to them or stuff like that. Like all the money, that all the labor that you do deserves to be compensated. And it's not, right? And that's also people taking just extreme advantage of migrant workers and people who are here in an undocumented status. They just don't get paid for the labor that they do because it's easy to cheat people who have no recourse, who can't go to the police, right? Like, And so it's just a huge problem. You've probably heard us say on this many times that workers should advocate for themselves and be huge advocates for themselves forget the notion of loyalty to a company because they will not be loyal to you. This is a perfect example of that. They will take whatever money they can get from you, even if they owe it to you. <laughs> they will take whatever they can get from you 
do not trust them. Make sure that everything's on the up and up with your employer because wage theft is a huge issue in this country. My wife changed jobs like roughly two months ago. She's still having to fight to get the last of the pay that she's owed because they would, they, they're supposed to pay her out for her PTO days that she or PTO hours that she had when she left. She still has not received that pay. So we're having to go back and fight them to get that money. There's other things like that that happen all the time. Um, I'll never forget. There's a policy basically uh, within her workman's comp kind of not workman's comp um, within some of her insurance things. And it's like um, she got it because she, when she had our child, when she had her child and had to be in the hospital for a certain amount of days, they, they owed her some money. And so we called and called it, it took five, six months of just calling and calling and calling before they would finally pay us. And I stop and I think, what about somebody who doesn't know this, right? What about somebody who can't, can't do that? You know, they're going to be cheated out of thousands of dollars and it drives me absolutely insane. No, it's as, as people who grew up where in a family where every dollar mattered, like I can't imagine a, like what would have happened to us. And it probably did happen to us. Like when we were kids, I'm sure mom was cheated out of money at some point by an employer, right. Or, or an insurance company or somebody. Right. And that hurts so much for a family who needs every dollar to put food on the table, every dollar to keep the lights on every dollar, you know, that sort of thing drives me crazy. It's like only a few things get me really passionate. And this is one of them. And so like, keep your eyes on that employer because trust me, they are on the up and up 90% of the time. Okay. Well, you know who is on the up and up Royals Reekly. We're always going to deliver whatever we say we're going to deliver. Well, that's not always true. Uh, and so <laughs> we're going to be we upfront be about not delivering. We're going to be upfront about not delivering. Uh, next week, we're going to deliver another episode and then I'm leaving for Spain. And so, you know, I may and, never come back. And then see. I get to host episodes, everybody. Woo! Woohoo! Look out. Uh, until then, be good to each other. And go Royals. <laughs>